Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee emphasized the experience of Christ as life and the practical oneness of the believers. He was unbending in his conviction that God's goal is not narrow sectarianism, but the body of Christ. Through his messages in these life studies, he stressed the importance for us to grow in life and to function as Christians so that the body can build itself up. We're happy to bring you recorded portions from his ministry today, along with some of our own thoughts. And we welcome your comments and questions. You can reach us toll-free at 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Now let's join today's program. In one of the truly high points of the New Testament, the Apostle Peter has the revelation of revelations. You are the Christ, he declares, the Son of the living God. But just moments later, after an expression of his deep concern for the welfare of Christ, the Lord turns and calls Peter Satan. What could possibly account for this dramatic reversal for our dear brother Peter? We'll find out as we return to the pathway of glory today in our life study of Matthew chapter 16. Bob Danker has joined us. Quite a picture presented in this portion, isn't it, Bob? Yes, Chris. This portion presents us a tremendous revelation and a very important one for our Christian life. One of the truly great revelations, Bob, of the whole Bible is found in Matthew 16. Maybe you could briefly recap the revelation of who Christ is and who we are from Matthew 16. Yes. In uh, Matthew 16, we see that Peter, one of the Lord's disciples, received a tremendous revelation. He saw that this man, Jesus, is the Christ, the Son of the living God. The Christ is a divine title, which means the anointed one. So this means that Jesus is the one who is anointed by God and appointed by him to accomplish God's eternal plan by building the church. Then, Peter also realized that Jesus is not only a man, but he is the son of the living God. That means that God is embodied in him, and he is the one who has the divine life and who imparts the divine life into his believers so that his believers can be transformed from just clay to stones. So after the Lord, after Peter declared this word to the Lord, the Lord declared to him, you, Peter, are a stone. You are Peter. You are a stone to be a part of this church that I'm going to build on myself as the rock. So Christ, the Son of the living God, builds the church on himself as the rock by transforming men like Peter into stones for God's building. Of course, this became... um something that stayed with Peter his entire life and shows up again in his epistles, which uh, I wish we had time to get into today, but we'll come back to that another time. Let's go on in the sequence here in Matthew 16, Bob, and see what comes next. Following Peter's remarkable word, identifying who the Lord Jesus really is, and then the Lord's follow-up word to him that you just uh, reviewed for us, unveiling the mystery of the building of the church, 
the Lord now immediately turns the disciples to the next station on his pathway to glory. Matthew 16, 20 and 21 say this, Then he charged the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Let's join Witness Lee with our life study portion today, Bob. Now we come to the last station on the pathway to glory. And this is the way of the cross. It is very, very meaningful. On the pathway to glory, firstly, we have all the sufferings. Then we have the feeding on Christ. And then, under such a clear sky, with such a clear atmosphere, we have the revelation of Christ and the church. When we get to Caesarea Philippi, when we get away from all can live it, when we are on the feeding of Christ, not only eating him as crumbs, but feeding on him in a mass way as the uh, raised, unlimited, inexhaustible supply of life. It is until we reach here we couldn't see the revelation of Christ and the church. After we see this, we have to realize to have Christ experienced and to have the church built upon Christ, we need to take the cross way. We need to take the way of the cross. And Christ was a pioneer. He was a foreigner to take the lead to pass this crossway. This is the unique way for Christ to be released. And this is the unique way for the church to be built with Christ and upon Christ. You have to notice that here, it was the first time that the Lord Jesus revealed his crucifixion and his resurrection to his disciples. Before this time, the Lord Jesus never mentioned anything concerning his going to be crucified and to be resurrected. It is very, very meaningful. After we see Christ, and after we see the church, we have to get ourselves prepared to go the crossway. To go to take the way of the cross. Bob, this chapter, chapter 16 in Matthew, is marvelous. After another warning to his disciples regarding the leaven of religion, the Lord Jesus reveals these two key stations on the pathway to glory. We saw the first, and of course, that is the revelation of Christ in the church that you reviewed for us a moment ago. But now, Bob, what about the second of these two great revelations? And then how are these two connected? Well, the second of these two great revelations, Chris, is the pathway of the cross or the way of the cross. 
And this revelation, the Lord began to show his disciples immediately after he revealed to them Christ and the church. That means these two matters are very, very closely related. In order for the Lord to build up the church, in order for the Lord to transform us into stones so that we can be the materials for the building of the church, the Lord and we have to take a certain way, and that way is the way of the cross. The Lord began to reveal to his disciples that he had to go to Jerusalem and to be ill-treated by the leaders of the Jewish people and ultimately to be killed by them and on the third day to rise again. If the Lord had not taken this way, then it would have been impossible for him to accomplish the building up of the church, and it would be impossible for us to be transformed to be stones for the building. Through his death and resurrection, the Lord accomplished so many things for the building of the church. He accomplished redemption. He took away sin. He judged Satan. He judged the world. And he crucified the old man, our old self. All of these things were crucified, terminated on the cross of Christ. And then also, while he was dying there, his divine life, which was contained within his humanity, was released. Then, on the third day, he rose from the dead to become the life-giving spirit. It is as the life-giving spirit that he can enter into us and transform us to be stones for the building of the church. So Christ, in order to build up the church, had to take the way of the cross, the way of death and resurrection. We need to follow him to take the same pathway that he took so that we may have our natural life terminated by participating in his death and in his resurrection in a subjective way in our daily living. Bob, it's interesting that uh, the Lord used Peter instrumentally in both of these two revelations. Of course, from Peter's side, one uh, experience was quite positive. The other was not so positive. Let's look at this second one now. Uh, He had just had this high mountaintop experience, in a sense, with the Lord. Uh, Makes this wonderful declaration. Then, uh, a few moments later, he has what he thinks, I think, is a very appropriate response to this uh, terrifying news of what's about to happen to the Lord Jesus. And uh, once again, he steps forward, this time with another kind of thought, a natural thought. Verse 22 and 23 says, And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God, be merciful to you, Lord. This shall by no means happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. Part 2 of the revelation, Bob, about to happen for our brother Peter. Let's join Witness Lee once again. What is the way of the cross? The way of the cross is not to reserve anything of the self, regardless how good, how right, how profitable you may be for the enjoyment of Christ and for the building of the church. We have to be crucified. Here, the Lord Jesus, after the revelation of himself and the church, told the disciples that he was going to Jerusalem to be crucified there and to be resurrected. The disciples heard the word. But have you noticed they never got 
the point of resurrection into them. The Lord Jesus revealed two things. He is being killed and he is being raised up on the third day. So definite. It is not something vague. Third day. But the disciple didn't hear the second point. And Peter came again. Oh, dear Peter. He came again. He always had a good heart. Very good-hearted. Have you read that here he was so bold, he rebuked the Lord, saying, God, be merciful to you. It's quite good, Lord. Here the Lord turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. He was rebuking, but the Lord Jesus eventually didn't talk to him. Lord Jesus called him Satan. Now, we must get into something here. Just be aware of your opinion. Your opinion, sorry to say, is not a good thing. The natural opinion, the natural concept, the natural idea, thoughts, thinkings, all these are not good things. These are the expression of the very self. When the self is expressed through the mind in opinions, that's it. Many times I was afraid of my own opinion. Because years, years ago, I got the enlightenment. I saw oh, that the natural concept, natural opinion, is just what? It's just the incarnation of Satan. Otherwise, how come that the Lord Jesus rebuked Peter and called Peter Satan? Get behind me, Satan. You tell me, was that Satan or was that Peter? They two became one. Where? In Peter's mind. In Peter's opinion. In Peter's selfish expression. That was Satan. Whoa, Bob, once again, Peter steps forward and exposes himself, but I think in the process he also exposes us. He didn't just make a mistake here in suggesting out of his natural thought or opinion that the Lord Jesus should not suffer such a death. But the Lord actually calls him Satan. How could such a sincere and genuine expression of his concern for the Lord, the Lord that he loved, evoke such a response from Jesus? Well, Chris, there's a tremendous revelation here that we all need to receive and apply to ourselves. In one sense, Peter expressed his concern for the Lord. He said, Lord, don't let this happen to you. But the Lord was not deceived. He turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. Then he said, You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. So Peter's word of concern for the Lord actually was the expression of Peter's thought, Peter's concept, and Peter's opinion. The Lord had expressed something to Peter about the need for him to die and resurrect. But Peter's was so full of his own thinking and his own concepts and his own opinions that he couldn't hear the Lord's word. He, he just cared for the human situation. He didn't want the Lord to, to leave them, to be killed. So he said, Lord, spare yourself. Don't let this happen. 
But this word, the Lord realized, didn't actually come from Peter. It came from Satan. So he turned to Peter and he called Peter Satan. What does this mean? That means that through the expression of Peter's natural thought and concept and opinion to the Lord, Satan had entered into the situation. And Satan and Peter became one in the very thought and opinion that Peter had. So after the Lord turned to Peter and called him Satan, he said to Peter, If you want to follow me, you need to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. Then he went on to say, you need to lose your soul life. So this means that our opinions are just the expression of our self, and our self is the embodiment of our soul life. And through the fall of man, Satan has become involved with our soul life. So in one sense, our natural life, our soulish human life, is really just one with Satan. So that our natural human concepts and thoughts, which are the expression of our self, are just Satan himself coming out through our thoughts and through our opinions to frustrate the Lord, to put up a stumbling block in front of the Lord so that the Lord cannot accomplish his purpose to build up the church. So the Lord uh, spoke to Peter a frank word. He said, Peter, you have to follow me. You have to deny yourself as I have been doing. I have been denying myself to take the way of the cross. Now you, Peter, need to follow me. Bob, that's uh, tremendous because I think that's the real heart of the matter here. The Lord is not just unveiling the pathway to glory that he was following, but really what he was telling the disciples and also, of course, us. This is the path that we all have to be on if we are to join him in this manifestation of glory that's coming. That's right, Chris. We all need to join the Lord and and follow him in the pathway of the cross. Well, Bob, you quoted these verses a moment ago. Let's read them again as we prepare for this final section. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his soul life shall lose it. But whoever loses his soul life for my sake shall find it. We're going to find out what the actual genuine experience of the cross in the life of the Christian really is in this next section. I hope everyone stays with us. What is the way of the cross to enter into glory? The way is to deny the self. And the way is to bear the cross and follow Christ. When the Lord Jesus was bearing the cross. He was all the time under the killing. When he bore the cross, he was not suffering. This is wrong concept. When he bore the cross, he was putting himself under the killing. You know, when he started to bear the cross, right after his baptism in water, You know what is baptism? Baptism is to put a person into death and to terminate that person and to bury that person. From that very moment, the Lord Jesus all the time was putting himself and keeping himself under dead killing. So all the time he bore the cross 
with him bearing first. Killing follows. But with us, killing first. We all have been crucified with him. Now, we have to bear the cross. Now, we must see that the pathway to glory is eventually, ultimately, to deal with ourselves. To bear the cross, it doesn't mean to suffer, but it means always to put and to keep yourself under the terminating death. The cross of Christ is the terminating death. And this termination is the place where you should stay. Always stay here, remain here. That means what? Bearing the cross. I am bearing the cross. I am keeping myself under Christ's termination. So I'm through. I have no idea. I have no concept. I have no opinion because I myself have been terminated. I would, by his grace, remain here forever. You know what? Following this termination is resurrection. When we would keep ourselves remaining all the time under determination, spontaneously, in our spirit, uh, a kind of reaction will come out. That is resurrection. And this resurrection is good for the building up of the church. This is the way of the cross to enjoy Christ and to have the church built. Bob, this is tremendous. Let's go back and talk uh, for just a minute about the cross. I think the common ideas, he said, of what the experience of the cross is, is that it's when we suffer. Maybe we're going through a hard time. We lose our job. We have financial problems. Someone in our family is sick. Many things. And just going through the suffering, many Christians interpret that as the cross. But what's the revelation of the actual bearing of cross that we're seeing here? Chris, to bear the cross is much more than to suffer. The work of the cross is not mainly to cause us to suffer, but it is to terminate us, to bring us to an end. And so if we actually experience the cross, that means we are terminated. We are finished. We are crucified. Actually, the fact is that 2,000 years ago, we were crucified. When Christ was crucified on the cross, every one of us was crucified with him. So now, for us to bear the cross is simply to live in the reality of this fact. That is, we would always keep ourself, our natural life, our opinion, and our concept on the cross. We don't have to crucify ourselves because the Lord has crucified us already. We just need to remain in his death. Practically speaking, for us, that means that we need to remain in our spirit because Christ, who is the life-giving spirit, is now in our regenerated spirit. And when we are in our spirit, spontaneously our natural life is terminated. We're on the cross. And also a wonderful thing is that death always leads to resurrection. So um, when we are in the reality, living in the reality of Christ's death, then we are spontaneously in his resurrection. And whenever we're in resurrection, that is when the building of the church is actually taking place. 
So to experience Christ's death is something related to our regenerated spirit in which Christ as the Spirit dwells. And the reality of Christ's death is just a component or an element of this wonderful Spirit who indwells us. So when we turn to our Spirit, when we contact the Lord in our Spirit, spontaneously our natural life is terminated, we are crucified, and we are spontaneously in resurrection. And then the church is being built at that very moment. The magnitude of the revelation that is uh, incorporated into these verses in chapter 16 is beyond our ability to cover in 30 short minutes or in five days a week. We, uh, it's, it's just incredible, isn't it, Brother Bob? It is a tremendous matter that we all need to see and to apply. Well, we're out of time. Let me point out our toll-free number for our listeners. We invite you to call us always with your comments, with any questions that you may have, or also to, to find out about the vast amount of material and resources that we have available on these topics. That number is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Please call us today. Uh, you can also write to us, of course, Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or send your email to radio at lsm.org. And please join us again for another life study from the Gospel of the Kingdom, the Gospel of Matthew. For Bob Danker today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, publisher and distributor of the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. If you'd like to contact us, just email radio at lsm.org or call us toll-free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening.